Covering the crew all season long on WTMJ, it's Brewers Extra Innings. Now live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee at the Avenue, here is your host, Dominic Catronio. The Owen Miller revenge game. He gets the game-winning RBI in the top of the 10th inning. The Brewers win the series against the Guardians. A 5-4 victory in 10 innings today. They took, take two out of three from Cleveland, and they're on to Queen to take on the Mets for four games. I'm Dominic Catronio. Jeff Cirillo is with us once again here on Brewers Extra Innings. If you want to join in on the program, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. We'll be with you for the next hour here talking some Brewers and getting back on track with a big series win in a 10-game road trip. Jeff, I, I just want to start with that. I mean, sometimes we lose the uh, sight of the importance of a happy flight every now and then, right? Sometimes not only was it a series win, happy flight, but the win and the extra innings, the bullpen was absolutely perfect. Owen Miller, revenge on his former team. A happy flight like this, it can go a long way. Well, you know what it is. I mean, we, we kind of didn't bash on Craig yesterday for, for not bringing Miller in. But, I mean, the genius move to leave Piams out there for two innings was the difference maker. I know we started that one early, but, yes, going on a road, going on a, on a flight to New York where you win two out of three against a good Cleveland ball club, it's a nice, happy flight. So, for today, there's a lot to break down with Corbin Burns. He was good, not great. The offense was good, not great. The bullpen was great. The defense was good, not great. I think this is a take for me. The fact of the matter is the Brewers can win games when they're good. They don't need to be perfect in every facet of the game. It just hasn't been a lot of good consistently as of late. They can show up with a game that is like today. They're getting guys on. They're getting hits. Granted, they went cold in the middle innings of this game, but they're able to lean on other facets of their game. When the offense is doing just enough, getting guys on base, getting the job done. I mean, they, the only homers they hit this this series were the home runs hit by Willie on Friday. They can win games without hitting home runs. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great to see. And again, I mean, if you look at the look back on the season so far, it seems like Owen Miller's right been in the middle of a ton of this stuff. And just it's never sweeter too, to 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 get a team that kind of you feel like whatever it is, right? You feel like the team maybe gave up on you. So when you go back there, you have a little added incentive to to beat them. I look at the lineup today going down the box score here. Yelly two for five with a double and a run batted in. Owen had the clutch double. He had two doubles today total. Willie was over. Rowdy got on base twice. Then they got creative with the bench after that. And both of those guys, Urias and Tapia, both drew walks coming off the bench today, which was encouraging. Then the bottom of the order, Blake Perkins, despite a couple of base running blunders, was two for three, also drew a walk. And Joey Weimer, uh, he got a knock and scored two runs today, also uh, getting on base twice. When I look at things for the Brewers, this is the kind of offense I think a lot of folks were expecting, right? Eight hits isn't a lot, but it's enough most days. Uh, I love five walks drawn today, too. This is the offense that the Brewers can say, hey, that's sustainable. That's an offense that we can circle up and say, yeah, we can keep doing that. If the home runs come, cool, but this is the kind of offense I think they envision coming into the season. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, they, they sprinkled it through. Like, the whole lineup seemed to contribute in this one, you know, and, and then being aggressive. I mean, Weimer just showing his jets on Yelich's double off the wall. So just kind of the, the new baseball, right? I mean, we're to the Brewers with their starting pitching, just dominant stuff, and just hit the home run. You know, this is a different team. 
you know, Granite Mitchell's been out, but uh, I think and Terang was supposed to be in this as well, just kind of a, a new look Brewers. And today, that was kind of what they blueprinted uh, before the season started. Looking at the numbers, too, here for the Brewers on runners in scoring position today, I think that's maybe the the big story today as well. The Brewers were 3-for-9 with runners in scoring position, getting the job done, of course, in extra innings, whereas the Guardians, they were just 1-for-10. And it doesn't sound like a big difference, but uh, when you win a, win a one-run game, and the Brewers have been great at one-run games this season, they uh, improved their record in one-run games to 12 and 4 now. And just a couple more knocks with a man in scoring position and that that flurry of offense in the third it really helped carry them for the most most part in this game. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, yeah, there are tough ones too, right? It's just when you have a 4-1 lead, you have your ace on the mound, he seems like he's in control of the game. And then all of a sudden, they just pop up with three runs to tie the game. A lot of teams sometimes fold on those, especially on the road. You know, just sometimes the home field brings up back, and you feel like that game was kind of in the bag, and then all of a sudden you're you're playing for your life. So again, the Brewers showed their moxie again today. Uh, and like you said, 12 and four in one run games, and so I mean those are big games, right? We always talk about those 60 games or that 42 game swing either way, and I would say if this falls in that category of that 42 games. It could be a swing game. This this certainly should be a swing game, and, and the that third inning I think just really set the tone for the Brewers' offense. Right, given he only had four hits yesterday, and Joey Weimer leads off that third inning with a line drive single on a three-one pitch. So you're thinking, okay, the nine-hole hitter did his job. He got on base to set this table for the top of the order, and man, they were aggressive. The next two pitches were doubles from Yelly and from Miller. Then Rowdy, two batters later, added an RBI single into right field. Uh, I loved the contact we saw, and that's what the hitting coaches and Craig Council talk about saying. When you get enough hard contact and you consistently make your approach getting hard contact, the ball is bound to fall eventually, like it did for Rowdy, like it did for Yelly, like it did for Owen Miller. Yeah, I mean, my AAA managers always say, because it was a time when, when I was just making a lot of hard outs and just kind of, like, I'm being a little bit unlucky, and, and, and it just holds true. You know, it's like, you know, Jeff, you know, who gets the most line drives caught? It's the guy that hits the most line drives. So today some of them fell. It was good to see Telez, you know, a mistake pitch on an 0-2 uh, pitch. Um, and so he was able to contribute and knock that one. I'm sure it felt good to him. A couple of texts have rolled in here, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Brewer showed some real resilience today after Burns got shaky. The batter interference call ended up being critical one in our favor to keep the game tied. What do you expect from the matchups with the Mets this week? We'll get to that a little bit later on in the program. Josh in Milwaukee texting us about that. But that 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 uh, batter interference call there, uh, it, it turned the game on its head there in the uh, eighth inning and clutch stuff from Yoel Pop. After what looked like it would have been a stolen base for for Miles Straw, instead it was deemed that Arias on the follow through clipped Caratini on the shin guard, and it kept the uh, at bat alive and put Straw back to first. He tries to steal again. Not only do they get a swing and miss strikeout, they then throw out the runner Straw to end the eighth inning. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the program as a difference making moment, I'm sure. But that changed the entire complexion of the game. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I've never really seen a play like that before, but but you're exactly right. You know, Straw was out there to steal that base, and uh, and what Caratini, like you said, we'll talk about that one later. But it was a, it was a pivotal pivotal moment in the game, especially with a three two breaking ball or a fastball that he got on the swing and miss, and then Caratini strike him up, throw him out. You know, Pyam's making the pitch, and obviously Caratini making the great throw. 
And it's, I think it's an example, too, because I think some Brewers fans are a little, you know, uh, skittish when it comes to odd, obscure rulings going against them. This was the right call going in their favor. So I think we can all kind of smile back. Okay, cool. We don't need to see a Craig Council tantrum coming here. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, I mean, you play enough of the games, right? You're going to, the balls are, the balls are going to fall your way. And sometimes they're not. And unfortunately today, the Brewers, it went their way. Today was a fun day to win a series. We do got to talk a little bit about Corbin Burns. That's going to come up on the other side of the break. Trying to figure out, diagnose what's been good, what's been bad, what needs to improve for him. But I want to remind you that Brewers Extra Innings is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank with a local Milwaukee team. Fifth Third Bank also knows how to hit it out of the park. They've been serving businesses in the area for nearly 15 years, offering industry-specific expertise and local decision-making capabilities. That's going to help your business succeed. This is commercial banking value. Only Fifth Third can deliver. Fifth Third Bank, National Association, member FDIC. More to come with Jeff, your text as well. This is Brewers Extra Innings. You're listening to Brewers Extra Innings, presented by Fifth Third Bank on WTMJ. Brewers win 5-4 in 10. Owen Miller, the hero. The bullpen really shined as well. More on them in this segment, too. But with Jeff Cirillo, I'm Dom Catronio. Corbin Burns gets a no decision in this one. His line reads five and two-thirds, eight hits, four runs all earned, two walks, three strikeouts, and a home run. He threw 99 pitches, 66 of them were strikes. And the sixth inning was out of nowhere because he was pitching very well in this game until the sixth inning. He allowed the one homer to Naylor, but then something clicked there in that sixth after the leadoff walk to Jose Ramirez. He kind of has that effect on people, but what did you see from Corbin uh, struggling to get out of that final frame? Well, the one one thing, right, it's always the leadoff walk, you know, going in into the middle innings of the ball game. Uh, it just looked like you probably felt like he lost Ramirez on that and just loses focus, and these are big league hitters. And they're, and like you said, the Indians might not hit a lot of home runs, but they're a contact-hitting team, so they draw a lot of walks and, you know, put pressure on the pitcher to throw strikes. And it was just one of those ones that they kind of ambushed him in that inning. And sometimes you get in that free fall, it's crazy how baseball works, right? You could just be dominating a game and then one inning and, and the Brewers had their inning and then the, the Indians came back and had their inning. But it looked like to me like Burns was really making a conscious effort to throw his more breaking balls in this game to mix in his pitch a little more. I mean, he only had three strikeouts. which was a little alarming for a guy that's supposed to be striking guys out. So, I mean, the line is a little bit misleading, but at the same time, he still gave his team uh, a chance to win the game. So I think there's some deficit building blocks for the start. He, he throws a lot of cutters, and I know it's his staple pitch. It's what he feels comfortable with. But I look at that sixth inning, and he did try to mix it up with the sinker today. He tried throwing a few more changeups. I mean, the, the slider was virtually eliminated today from his repertoire. He only threw one slider, and it was a double down the third base line. So I, I look at him trying to mix and match, trying to throw that sinker, but... I don't know what it is about Corbin Burns in that sinker, but it's just not that effective of a pitch for him. He did get a couple outs on it today, but it's a pitch that, for him, having so much spin, having so much carry to his cutter and to everything else, you don't want a lot of spin on a sinker. And I wonder if that's been a detriment to him. He gave up the homer on the sinker. Lefties see it very well. He isn't able to locate it that well. I, I'm just wondering if the sinker's the right route to go for him 
trying to find new ways to complement the cutter? I think that what they're trying to do is they're trying to split the plate by having one pitch go one way, you know, especially against right-handers where you just kind of, you know, I, I know hitting a guy at the cutter, you know, you're always having something that's breaking away from you, breaking away from you. And what he's trying to do is develop a pitch that goes the other way that keeps guys off his cutter. So it's one of those ones that's still a work in progress. I think it's a pitch that he's still going to need, uh, especially as it continues to mature and age, you know, and just sometimes the velocity dips a little bit to where, you know, I mean, it's one of those ones, right? So he just can't rely on that cutter. You know, the league has made an adjustment to Corbin, and now it's his turn to make an adjustment back. That That's my fear with Corbin, right? I mean, his, I, I talked about this after the start against the Diamondbacks on Monday. His numbers, when you look at his pitch usage for the last three years, it's virtually the same. I mean, it, it 58% cutters today. He came into the into the game 54% cutter usage for the season. 16% curveball. He came in at 17%. Uh, 14% changeup. He came in at 13%. I mean, he is using the same formulas over and over, and we're seeing the ambushes on the cutter specifically. It's a good pitch. He's not getting the same whiffs on it like he did in 2021 when it was such a novelty pitch. Now, like you put it perfectly, Jeff, everyone's seen it now, and everyone's knowing what's what the M.O. is for Corbin Burns, and it's a good pitch, but for some reason, it's a little more rounded this season. The velo's still there, don't get me wrong, but teams are seeing it, and it's on Corbin to be the guy to say, all right, I need to mix things up here right now, and I understand that's his number one. That's his fastball, but the counts and the leverage and the locations that he's using it are, I think, in a way... Being a detriment to him, he's got an over four ERA right now, which I think nobody expected at this point in the season. No, you're exactly right. It's one of those ones that I, I'm, I'm guessing today. You know, I mean, you, you go back and you look at everything right. I mean, for a pitcher, you know, I mean, uh, sometimes that's the longest wait is that you know waiting that four days to pitch again, especially after such a, a bad start for him against the Diamondbacks. So he's probably just going to go. I'm going to trust this. I'm going to go back. I'm going to throw my cutter with conviction and look at it. And, you know, for five innings, he was he was doing what he was doing, right? And that sixth thing came around. You know, it was a different story. Just, but, but, I mean, here's the crazy thing, too, Dom. It's like, if you had Corbin Burns, like Mariano, I mean, think of it this way. Like, most every major leaguer is, is, is a starter until they're not, right? And then they're a reliever. I mean, Mariano Rivera was a, a starter for a long time. And they put him right in the ninth inning. So, I mean, you imagine Corbin Burns pitching in the ninth inning, throwing that cutter every pitch, you know, he'd be dominant. But, you know, for a starter, especially number one starter, where you're expected to kind of go through three times through the lineup, you know, you just can't rely on that one pitch. I'm guessing that even if Mario Romero would start games and third time through the order, hitters get a pretty good track of that pitch. They're, they're seeing it. They're They're comfortable with it. And it's going to be the story of the rest of this first half and the early portion of uh, the second half of what the Brewers are going to have to decide to do when Brandon Woodruff returns and making sure they get the Corbin Burns that they're hoping for back when Woodruff returns too to make this a true one-two punch. And Freddie in there, and the way that Tehran and Miley has pitched, that one through five is pretty darn good if it can come back to what they were hoping. I'm not saying they need to be Cy Young levels, but above league average because right now, Corbin Burns has been virtually a league average pitcher. Uh, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Mike texting in. Brewers played well. Would have liked to see Burns power through the six. About time they got a little bit of a benefit on of luck on a couple of instances like the batter's interference call. But I, I'm fine with the way they handled that sixth inning for Corbin because Hobie was ready for the top of the order, right? It, it, you got to trust Corbin 7-8-9 against 
virtually any lineup in baseball, but especially the Guardians lineup. I personally was A-OK how Craig Council handled that sixth inning today. Even though Corbin's command was kind of erratic there, I thought that was the right call. Yeah, I do too. I mean, give him props today, especially for the Pions throwing him multiple innings in that situation, the 4-4 tie. So, I mean, like yesterday, you know, people were probably questioning not bringing Milder, and today I think he handled it perfectly. Today, though, I mean, the bullpen is the big story. I feel bad for not getting to them. Four and a third, scoreless frames, just two base runners against them, just two hits against Pyomps. One of them was an infield hit. Uh, This bullpen... Devin Williams got back in there for the first time in, in, a, in a, almost a week. A scoreless frame for him. When the bullpen gets the chance to shine, and when they're not relied upon to say, you know, a, a heavy workload of innings, like this was a fair ask for them. And, and what a work, what a job. They were put in position to succeed. Pyomps going two innings for the sixth time this season, going multiple innings, I should say. Devin locked down ninth, and Piguero looked as disgusting as ever there on the 10th inning to keep zero on the board in the extra frames. The bullpen is really, I know Owen got the RBI. The bullpen's the real hero today. I would agree with you, and it seems like it's been the unsung hero for the whole season, really. I mean, you're not getting a lot of starts, so they're getting deep into the games, and, you know, that'll be definitely something to look at, you know, just the usage of these guys. You know, I mean, it's a long season, and and you'd like to have that one guy that can kind of consistently give you that seventh inning. So it's something to definitely keep an eye on, but for right now, it's definitely saving their bacon. Right now, the fact that they have multiple guys, and we've talked about the fluidity of the 7th, 8th, and for today, the 10th inning, of who's going to have those frames. Strezlecki or Pyomps or Piguero, Milner came in for the left-on-left matchup. When you have fluidity and versatility, I think it really can help the Brewers of saying, all right, this guy's ready to go. This guy matches up well here. Because it makes your roster a little bit deeper, saying, all right, yeah, Piguero can get both righties and lefties out, so you don't worry about those lefties in the order. And furthermore, Pyomps has got some reverse splits going on. Lefties really struggle with him. And uh, I loved what I saw today, specifically from those two, Yoel and Elvis, to get the job done in the way they did. Oh, I would, I would agree with you. I mean, when you have stuff like that, and when you look at them and you look at them on video, you know, you're just watching, you're like, oh, these guys are tough out there, right? I mean, sometimes it's a little bit erratic. It's kind of all over the map. You know, they're kind of, they're just not like, command down and away, right? And so you can look for that spot. You know, both these guys have electric arms with, with stuff that's moving all over the place. So not a comfortable bat either for lefty or righty. We're going to get to our difference-making moment coming up next. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. A 10-inning thriller in Cleveland. Brewers on top 5-4. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Welcome back to Brewers Extra Innings. Let's get to the difference-making moment. A pretty easy pick today. It's brought to you by Annex Wealth Management, investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Forget commission sales pitches and financial products you don't actually need. Know the difference. It's Annex. They provide elite, comprehensive financial planning customized to who you are and what you need. Visit AnnexWealth.com. We mentioned it earlier, Jeff, but I, I think we're in agreement here on what the difference-making moment was today, that big batter's interference call on the stolen base moment in the eighth. Uh, I'm going to give you that one. I'm going to go, actually, the last inning. I'm going to go the 3-2 Figuero to Ramirez, where Victor Caratini blocks the pitch, where it skips over the plate. And instead of getting away, he's able to secure that, that play and, and get a strikeout to, to start that 10th that inning. I love that because, furthermore, even if he blocks it, and maybe it bounces a little further away to his right, 
and that's an, far enough to allow the runner on second or Zaria to go for third, you, it totally changes the dynamic. Yeah, you'll probably end up completing the strikeout at first base, but now you got a man on third with one out. Caratini really, really blocked his butt off today. Uh, I thought he had a great day behind the plate, not just calling pitches, but for the blocks, and he had the crazy one that get away from him on the Corbin Burns play, but I thought he was awesome. There's just something about Caratini, too. I I think you noticed this. I I love when he calls a pitch with two strikes, and he knows it's a risky pitch, and he knows he's got to get his guy to execute the pitch perfectly, and he does. Caratini lets you know how fired up he is with a fist pump. I love that reaction from Vic. I love it, too. I pitched four years in college, and when you have a catcher that you know can, can separate his offense from his defense and just can just put his defensive hat on, and he's just like one and one just in stride with the catcher, and he shows you that kind of animation out there. It's great. It's, I'm, I guarantee that the, the pitchers notice it, the coaching staff notice it, and they love it. And it's, and it's pure, right? It's, it's like, kind of like when Maldonado's catching for the Brewers. He did the same thing, and I always, just, I always respected it. For... My difference-making moment, that batter's interference call, because everybody in the stadium knew Miles Straw was going to be trying to steal. And he had a stolen base. But then because of the overswing and stepping out of the box and clipping Victor Caratini, it becomes a a batter's interference. So they put the runner back. It's a 3-2 count. And again, everyone in the stadium still knows Straw is going to steal. So he goes again. Gets a swing and miss on a slider in a 1-9-4 pop time for Caratini from his knees to get the out at second base. Can, can you help put the folks into perspective? I, I know a lot of folks hear about pop times these days, and it seems like every kid all of a sudden in perfect game complexes are throwing 1-7 pop times, which aren't true. But a 194, 1-9-4 pop time on a slider, quite frankly, is pretty ridiculous. It is. I mean, just the whole sequence of that play, it was just a major league play. At the highest end, right? You have an uh, an 80 runner basically stealing the base. You got a um, a pitcher that's going to execute a 3-2 pitch for a strike, let alone you know, uh, and then and worry about being a little bit quick to the plate. And then Caratini from his knees putting it right on the bag. I'm just a, an exceptional baseball play all around. And then the light touch of it too, and the fact that Monasterio blocked second base and Straw slid into his foot allowed him to get the tag, and that ends uh, the inning on the strike him out throw him out to send it to the closers for the ninth inning. That was the turning point for me to make sure that game got to extra innings. As for this week now, so the Brewers have done step one. They won the series against the Guardians, the first series they could have won, and they did it. Now they're going for a four-game series against the Mets. The Mets' offense puzzling. Their bullpen, even more puzzling. But the fact of the matter is, the Brewers are going to see Justin Verlander, Kadai Senga, Max Scherzer, and a left-handed David Peterson. So they're going to see the four guys that the Brewers are going to be worried about. But yet their offense is struggling. The bullpen is struggling for the Mets. It's in Queens. It's always tough to win road games. But if you win this series and you already swept them at your place, I still think the Brewers are the better team on paper than the Mets. I don't care what the payroll says. I still think they're the better team on paper. I can say they should be expecting no worse than a split this week. I mean, you never know, right? I mean, just new series. It just sometimes, I mean, when the old A's came to town, you know, that's why they play 162 games and you run into a bus up. But I will say that I think that there's a lot of internal reeling going on with the Mets. There's pressure perform. And, you know, Scherzer and Verlander are those guys. It would be like if Michael Jordan's going to play pick up basketball against Michael Jordan as a 21-year-old right now, I think he'd fare pretty good. So sometimes everyone has a, uh, an age limit, and those guys have been remarkable. And just hopefully they can keep the Mets in their turmoil. 
Uh, it could be one nothing game. It could be a ten nothing game. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm still going to give my hat tip to Verlander and Scherzer. I have seen Senga in person on some of my national assignments. He can be disgusting with his splitter, the ghost forkball. But it'll be Justin Verlander and Colin Ray tomorrow. Lefty David Peterson versus Julio Tehran on Tuesday. Could I Senga and Wade Miley on Wednesday, and then Max Scherzer and Freddie Peralta on Thursday. All night games. For from Queens, the Brewers on this ten-game trip. This can be a, a series that you're catching the Mets at a right time. They just lost a series to the Phillies. There, you know, there's a lot going on around that because there always is. It's New York, Buck Showalter, and the payroll and all this stuff. If you can escape with at least a split, man, this could really send a, a message to the rest of the Central, saying, "All right, we're here. We're figuring things out." Woodruff's on his way back. This could be the moment the season starts to roll back in the right direction for the crew. Oh yeah, they, they should they should download the movie Escape from New York with Kurt Russell. Watch that; <laughs> it's a great movie. That's for your older audience on that one. But uh, they should remake on that movie. By the way, uh, agreed with you. I think that they're catching the Mets at the right time. It's a ten-game road trip. I mean, you always want to get off on a good start, and that's what they did in Cleveland. It seems like uh, fun times to be on the team charter out to New York. Tonight, four straight night games this week. And Jeff Sorello, we appreciate your insight. As always, my friend, we'll chat with you soon. All right. Be well, Dom. All right. Jeff Sorello here on the program on WTMJ. Want to talk about who's hot? Going to talk about... Uh, some of these texts that are rolling in too, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now more Brewers Extra Innings presented by Fifth Third Bank on WTMJ. Fun times, fun times. Brewers win. we got post game for you all week long as well right here on WTMJ. Four night games in City Field. It'll be 7-10 Eastern time, 6-10 first pitch starts out there in Queens. I hope you join us after the game. I'll be with you tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday for this Mets series. Uh, fill in on Tuesday to uh, figure things out for that one since I will be out on assignment. Looking at this segment, it's for time for Who's Hot. I would just want to give a quick shout-out to Christian Yelich. Uh, I've talked about him a few times now, but since May 2nd, he's hitting two ninety eight. A 391 on base, a 485 slug, and 876 OPS. He is playing like a great leadoff hitter should. And don't lose sight of the fact. A couple more hits today, also scored a run. Uh, Christian Yelich has been really carrying the load. But I'm going to go a different direction here as for who's hot. Now, I got this is responding to a text I got uh, here on the program asking about what's going on with Bryce Terang. Andrew Monasterio's defense leaves a little bit to be desired, and his bat isn't doing anything right now. That text from the 262. Looking at Bryce Terrain, by the way, he's got a 12-game hitting streak right now down in the minor leagues. I wonder what the Brewers' plan is going to be moving forward. So the crew optioned Bryce to get him back, and he felt confident that he's going to be back. The one caveat of this 12-game hitting streak since going back down to AAA is that of the 12 games, 11 of them have been singular hits. So it's not like he's tearing the cover off the ball every single time he's at the plate, but he is getting hits. He's only struck out nine times in 14 games in AAA. So that's certainly a good sign. He's drawn five walks as well. He's hit five doubles and three homers in AAA. Those three homers coming in three consecutive games earlier in June. 
I wonder what it's going to take for Bryce to hit his way back up to the to the uh, big leagues, or if it's going to be Monasterio going into a slump. Because if I can speak freely here. Your future is Bryce Terang. It is not Andrew Monasterio. And it's a great story, and I'm happy for him making it to the big leagues. And nobody can take that away from him. He has been very, very fun story to follow. But the truth of the matter is, here in the month of June, ever since he's really cooled off since that Cincinnati great series he had, after the uh, the series in Cincy, I'm pulling up the uh, game log here, he's gone 0 for 3 in the last game against the Reds. Then he came off the bench and was a pinch runner. 1 for 5 against Baltimore, 0 for 2 against Oakland, 0 for 4 against Oakland, 1 for 2 against Oakland, 0 for 2, 0 for 1, 0 for 1, 0 for 3. So uh, I wonder how much longer they're going to go with Andrew because uh, there have been a few plays in the last couple of weeks that you would say, eh, I think Bryce would have had a chance on that. And they're not plays that you would say are routine by any stretch of the measure. I don't want to knock Andrew's defense because he's made the plays he's supposed to make, but I think there have been plays that Bryce would have had a chance to make better than Andrew would have made so far at second base. But I I, I do wonder how much longer they're going to sit with Bryce in AAA right now. And the question, obviously, is going to be what's going on with Sal Freelich down there as well. When do you get him going? When do you bring him back up? to the big league level. Sal was back in the uh, lineup today. I'm pulling up their box score right now. As they won, they defeated Norfolk today by a 3-2 final. Sal was 0-4 for 4 in his return to the lineup after fouling a ball off of his knee on a Thursday night against the Tide. So that's just your quick little minor league update as for who's hot. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. If you want to join in, Who's Hot is brought to you by Cider Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Trust your family's comfort at home this summer with Cider. Don't wait until it's too late for your AC preventative maintenance. Schedule your appointment today at Cider, S-E-I-D-E-R.com. Cider, Heating, Plumbing, and Electrical. Families helping families since 1912. Want to get to the phone lines here as well. Dave and Caldonia, you've been waiting patiently. You're live here on Brewers Extra Innings. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question. Um, I've, I've noticed a, f- a few games now where the Brewers come into you know the bottom of nine, and it's a tie game, and Williams comes in, closes it out, or the inning out, three up, three down, and then the Brewers come up in top of 10, score, and then in bottom of 10, they take Williams out and put someone else in who I've seen them give up the game. Why not keep Williams in there if his pitch count is low enough? It's just, I think it's, it's frustrating to see that. So. Yeah, I understand. I, I think that's a fair question for a, a lot of closers in today's game, but I think the, the thought is – the modern closer, you know, Eckersley isn't walking through the door. We're not seeing the three-inning closer. We're not seeing the two-inning closer anymore. Devin's been trained, give us an inning. Maybe we'll ask you for four outs every now and then. But he's been trained for an inning. I, I think the more of the story is not that Devin didn't go for the 10th, but that Piomps gave you two innings, the 7th and 8th inning today. That was huge for him. The Brewers have asked Devin to get multiple inning saves this year. I think, though, in that scenario, I'm fine with it, especially given the bullpen was rested. You had Piguero ready to go. You had Bryce Wilson if you needed to. You had options. But if it was a gassed bullpen, I wonder if they would have considered trying to stretch Devin, maybe even adjust face Jose Ramirez. I don't 
disagree with the take, but I think it's just a modern baseball view of it, of that, hey, closers these days are just one inning and done. It's the state of baseball these days, and Devin's used to going one inning and done. Unless something really drastic changes between now and then, uh, I don't. Now and the next time it happens, I don't think it's going to be happening for the Brewers or any team for that matter. Most teams are not going to use their closer in that situation. But I really do appreciate the question. Thanks for the call there, Dave. I'm up against a break here. Uh, I want to get to it real quick. We're going to hear from the manager, Craig Council. He's going to talk about Elvis Piguero and everything with that and the bullpen use today as well. Don't go anywhere. Brewers extra innings. Welcome back to Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers get the victory, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. Old National Bank talking text line, Old National Bank get old. Worthy for another 20 minutes here. We're going till about uh, 5.15 here on this fine Sunday evening. Going to get to Craig Council in just a moment, but first want to thank Hupe and Abraham for every double play of the Brewers' turn this season. Hupe and Abraham will donate $100 to Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. And remember, if you're injured or you're in an accident, call Hupe and Abraham. Win or it's free, guaranteed. The winning team, Hupe and Abraham, H-U-P-Y dot com. Elvis Piguero got his first career big league save. The bullpen was dominant, did not allow a run. And here's the manager, Craig Council, waxing poetic about his young right-hander getting a big milestone in his career. But, uh, you know, take, you take the lead in the 10th there, and the way that the rule works now where you start out kind of in a jam immediately, um, it, it adds something to it for sure. And um, uh, you know, it's his first save, I believe. So it's, you know, it's going to be a little extra no matter what. But he responded. And proud of him for responding and then getting the job done. Ramirez, I suppose they, yeah. Ramirez so, and Naylor too. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not like you're starting out with the eight and ninth. No, yeah. Game. I mean, that's uh, kind of that's what it was, you know, going to be. Um, and he he just he made great pitches to both those guys for sure. Made great pitches all inning. What about the decision to go to UL for two innings? That's something we haven't seen from him. I think going back to yeah, maybe. yeah. So really, just. Um, you know, we're just kind of just kind of debating putting Hobie back out there, or or with the middle of their lineup coming up again too. Um, you know, going to Yoel because he's been throwing the ball so well. So we ended up going with Yoel, and uh, he was so efficient in the first that we sent him back out there for the second inning. Just, but it was just kind of the who was up uh, middle of the lineup and trying to trying to take advantage of that. Kind of a storybook finish there for Owen, right? Come here, beat his old team with a yeah, a yeah. Ball. I mean. Good day for a really good day for Owen with a couple doubles um, and, and the big hit to win it. So um, great to see and got got the big hit that we needed. What you see with Corbin in the sixth? I mean, we don't see him lead off an inning with a walk and then kind of. Yeah, I mean, I thought they did a good job against him. Really, um, you know that they, they they hit the pitches. You know, they got one pitch to hit and they hit it. And credit to them, they they put a tough inning on him. Did you like what you saw from the offense early? You, know, you were able to manufacture those runs. Get out to that early lead. Yeah, we did. We did a nice job. Um, you know, hit some balls hard that inning. Um, in the in the third, uh, let's see, you know, four to five guys hit the ball really hard, and then we're, we're sitting there with three runs. So, got a good start. Got a nice sack fly, and um, did a nice job against against Savali. Nice springboard now going into the next series. Next. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good good series win. Uh, tough game for sure, and. Um, you know, road trip goes on. The road trip rolls on. Seven more games still away from your own bed. You got the Mets and the Pirates still on the way. Another text here. This one from Aaron in Illinois. Great to see the series win. All you can ask for realistically 
with the way that Tehran and Miley are pitching. And if you get Woody back, we could afford to have Burns pitch like an average pitcher for a while until he works out of it. Middle relievers get no credit, but the work of Yoel Piams, considering the leverage, has been really at an all-star level. He's getting my vote. Thanks for the text there, Aaron. I agree, and you heard Craig Council just mention how great it's been for him and how well he's been throwing the ball, that he trusted him for two innings today. And it was one of the big moments of the contest, him getting out of that eighth inning and setting the stage for Devin in the battle of the closers in the ninth with Classe and Williams and then forced the game into extra innings. The bullpen, again, did not allow a run. And the number that we opened the show with, too, it's the fifth time this year in eight extra innings. Okay, this is their sixth extra inning game, but their eighth extra inning that they have allowed the they have not allowed a run to score. So five out of eight times, the Brewers have not allowed a run to score in extra innings, whether it's a placed runner or they get them out at third or whatever they decide to do. That's some seriously great stuff. So the Brewers continue all that mojo, and I, I love how it's been working for them. And they, they found something with Piops. They found something with Piguero. They knew what they were looking for in, in those trades, and the Brewers are very, very excited of what they've got so far. Uh, we're going to relive this one. Let's have out some uh, have some fun memories with the W, shall we? Let's get some highlights up next on Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Get out of here! Go! Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Dominic Catronio. The Brewers actually were trailing early in this game with Corbin Burns on the mound going against Aaron Savali. A solo homer from Josh Naylor in the second made it 1-0 Guardians. But then the Brewers' offense got going in a big way in the third inning. A leadoff single by Joey Weimer set the stage for the top of the order. And quick work, an ambush from Christian Yelich. First pitch line, drive left center field. Yelich has a base hit. It hits the grass. It splits the outfielders, and it rolls all the way to the fence. Weimer is on his horse. He's being waved around third, and Rosario won't make a relay to the plate. It's a game-tying RBI double by Christian Yelich. Josh Mauer's call there. Yelly had two hits on the day, also scored a run later. In fact, just took one more pitch. Owen Miller back on the revenge tour. Nobody out. Here's Owen Miller. Fly ball hit into right field, backing up Arias back over his head. That's going to hit off the base of the right field fence. Yelich around third. He'll score. Throw comes into second. Miller might have been out, but the shortstop Rosario couldn't handle the throw, and Owen is safe. It's a go-ahead RBI double, and the Brewers have a 2-1 to lead in the third. You blink your eyes, all of a sudden they take the control of the game, and they still weren't even done with that inning. Two batters later with an 0-2 count. How about Rowdy getting in on the party? Miller at second, the 0-2. Line drive ripped into right center field for a base hit. That one is played on a hop by Arias, but around third comes Miller. He will score the third run of the inning. Rowdy Telez stops it first with a run-scoring single, and the Brewers having a good go of it here in the third. They've got a 3-1 lead. Fun times for the crew. However, the game would slowly slip back in favor of the Guardians after Corbin Burns struggled with command in the sixth inning. A leadoff walk to Ramirez, a triple by Andres Jimenez, then a walk to Freeman, a wild pitch score to one to put Freeman to third. He would come in to score on an RBI single by Will Brennan. So all of a sudden, it's now a 4-4 game. Hobie Milner would end the mess in the sixth. Yoel Piams would have the seventh. He would throw a scoreless inning there. Then in the eighth, things got tense. Man on first. Miles Straw comes in to run for him. And with with one out, Gabriel Arias at the plate. He swung and missed on a pitch that Straw was running on. 
But Straw stole second base, but not so fast, my friend. The umpires say batter's interference on Arias for clipping the shin guard of Victor Caratini. So we reset, full count, one out, runner on first, and the batter Arias with a chance for Piomps to escape. Probably going to be running on a 3-2 count here. There he goes, the pitch, swing and a miss. Throw down to second is in time! to strike him out, throw him out, double play. Wow! Huge moment, Lane Grindle getting excited on the call. Both closers had the ninth, kept it scoreless to send it to extra innings. Hey, there's that man again. It's Owen Miller. Miller one for four in the game of the pitch. Fly ball deep in the left field. Quan going back onto the warning track, watching it hit high off the top of the fence. It stayed in play around third. Weimer relay to the plate will not be in time, and the Brewers have the lead in the tenth by a matter of inches. Owen Miller missed a two-run home run. Quite literally, just by a couple of stitches on the baseball, would have been a homer. Then. Going to the bottom of the 10th inning, it was Elvis Peguero's turn. He had a big part of the order to deal with. He gets uh, Jose Ramirez to strike out, Josh Naylor to strike out. He hit Andres Jimenez, and then it was all up to Miles Straw as the last batter and the last hope for the guards. The 1-0 pitch. Popped him up, foul coming off the mask. The catcher, Caratini, he's got a play right next to the batter's box. Caratini squeezes it, and the ball game is over. Elvis Peguero's first major league save was a fantastic one. And Owen Miller is the hero in his return to Cleveland. Great stuff from Owen Miller. Great stuff from the bullpen. Not allowing a run. The Brewers win the series. They take the final game 5-4 in 10. We'll wrap up the program with an out-of-town scoreboard and a quick standings update after this. Don't go anywhere. WTMJ. You're listening to Brewers Extra Innings, presented by Fifth Third Bank on WTMJ. All right, last uh, five minutes of the program or so here. Just want to look around baseball. The Braves did end up winning the series against the Reds. It got stressful there in the bottom of the ninth. The Reds had runners on the corners and one out, but ended up bouncing into an inning-ending 5-4-3 double play. If they didn't roll the double play of the Braves, then it would have been a tied game at 7. So the Braves do take 2 out of 3 from the Reds. The 12-game winning streak is over after they won on Friday, but they lose the next two games. They still lead the Central by a half game over the Brewers. And again, they will end the first half and start the second half head-to-head. It's going to be seven straight games against the Reds coming up here uh, in July. So keep that in mind, that you're going to see a lot of them in July, and then you're not going to see them again for the rest of the season. There'll be one more series a weekend later uh, against Cincinnati. So this is going to be a big stretch to catch them at the right time. So the Reds 41 and 37, the Brewers 40 and 37, half game back. The Cubs lost today. They split the London series. The Cubs are 37 and 39 in third place. They're 3 games back. The Pirates are 35 and 42. They lost again today. They have lost lost 12 of their last 13 games, 35 and 42. Then the Cardinals who won in London today, they're 32 and 45. They are 8 and a half games back. It's just scary to say that they're still technically in this eight and a half games back, how bad they have played because this central division has been so atrocious. An anomaly out in Colorado. So we all saw the final score yesterday, 25 to 1 
for the uh, Angels over the Rockies. A, a wild game, right? But the irony of it all is that the Rockies win the series. They won Friday 7-4, to and they win today 4-3. to So they got outscored by a million, but yet the Rockies win the series against the Angels, who are still firmly in the American League wildcard race. They're at 42 and 37 right now. They're in the hunt with the Yankees, the Blue Jays. The Red Sox are even in the hunt, too, at 40 wins as well. And the Astros are at 41 and 36 right now, too. Looking at the next opponent for the crew, the New York Mets, they are 35 and 42 right now. They are out of it already in the National League East at 15 games back. Seven games under 500. They're starting to play themselves out of a wild card race, too, if it's not too early to look at that. Right now, the three wild card teams in the National League would be San Francisco, Miami, and the Dodgers. Milwaukee, of course, would have to win their division. Philadelphia probably is going to have to win their division. They're at 40 and 37 right now. And then you look at the Mets, they're eight and a half back of a wild card spot right now. So something needs to get going for them. They are just 18 and 27 on the road as they lose in Philly today, but the Brewers will be seeing them at City Field this week. So see if they get on track. And again, you're going to see the main arms. You're going to see the guys that the Mets would most want to throw against the Brewers. They're going to get one lefty in there and David Peterson on Tuesday, but otherwise you get Verlander tomorrow, Senga on Wednesday, and Scherzer on Thursday. So if the Brewers are going to win this series, they are going to earn it against some future Hall of Famers and uh, a tremendous young talent in Kadai Senga coming over from Japan this past offseason. So can't wait to see what this series will hold for the Brewers. This is going to be a very important litmus test for them. They're very similar junctures in their season. The offense has been underperforming, but the Brewers' bullpen has been better than the Mets' bullpen to this point in the season. So who knows how it's going to shake out, but we'll have Brewers extra innings for you after every single game this week. 6-10 Central Time first pitches from City Field. We'll be with you after the contest as well. So hope you enjoy it. And uh, then the Brewers will be heading to Pittsburgh for the weekend. Three games against the Pirates, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And hope you tune in to us on Friday, given it's an Apple TV game. So you can just hang out with uh, Lane and with, uh, with Josh and uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy some Brewers baseball right here on WTMJ. So one last peek here at the standings in the National League. Again, the... Reds are leading by a half game on the Brewers. The Braves are in control of the East. They are the first to 50 wins in the National League at 50 and 27. The West is still the Diamondbacks. They are 46 and 32, and they're leading the Giants right now. Over in the American League, the Rangers lead the way in the West, 47 and 30 by six games. The Twins are leading the Central, also a tough division. Uh, that's sarcasm. 40 and 39 right now. They're two games clear of these Guardians. And then the Rays are leading the East at 54 and 27. That's going to do it for us. Hope you enjoyed the weekend of baseball in Cleveland. Off to New York, up next. My thanks to Jeff Cirillo for joining us and for our producer, Evan Wittallison. I'm Dom Catronio. Until next time, hope you enjoy it and keep on swinging.